Hello and welcome back to the Optional Boss Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Josh, as always, and with me today is, as always, Tyler. Hello, people who are presumably big nerds if you're going to be picking a specific title like this. You're not wrong. It's uh, it's an endearing quality around here. We, we do appreciate it. We, uh, we appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting back from the previous episodes. You guys are helping us out a lot. Yeah, so, yeah, now with uh, new and improved audio and, um, well, I would say less mention of Chrono Trigger, but I already ruined that now, didn't I? <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Yep. yep, starting off strong. So if, if we're going to start off strong, then we got to bring up one kind of point that's uh, been pointed out. And uh, that is we have a drinking game now. And every time I say 100% or absolutely as a response to Tyler... You drink. Ah, it's great because neither of us drink and we're advocating such a horrible thing to take part in. People will not make it to the end of an episode from what I've heard so far. (laughs) No, no, they will not. So today's topic, uh, we are going to go into the classic consoles that have been released over the past couple years. And so things like the NES, the Super Nintendo, the Sega Genesis Mini, uh, just the first one, I think. And well, uh, also well, the PlayStation. Okay. When you say first one, that's uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that when we actually get to the Genesis. So when I say first one, I I mean the actual one, not the AT games or whatever. Or the other AT games, or the other yeah. Yeah, there there was four different ones, right? Um, I think there was three, and they were all like very different from each other. I think a few of them actually. Uh, played the cartridges themselves, but they were all bad. Yeah. These are the yeah. like official produced in-house mini consoles of their respective brands. The ones that are worth your money. Well, that's every 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 retail price. Every, <laughs> oh dear, yes, yes, yes. Not wow. not scalper prices. Never never call up a scalper because that is no. Just I don't, don't. I don't advocate. Uh, charging more than necessary for uh, such wonderful things that just bring people joy. So, we'll do a little intro spiel. Uh, Tyler, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? What uh, What have you been enjoying? I am still just picking away at some Ender Lily's Quietus of the Nights. I think I'm just about at the end of it, but it's now the uh, standard Metroidvania complete uh, the game by looking in every nook and cranny and just the whole cleanup of it. Uh, but it's been a pretty good time, and uh, since I'm rounding the end of that, I could see myself probably hopping back into a bit of Monster Hunter Rise or maybe even uh, picking away at something of the old backlog. I don't know. I haven't uh, haven't quite figured out where I'm going after that. But uh, how about yourself? Any uh, Any new or repeat endeavors? So... It is true that, like, every Metroidvania that I think either of us have played have that, like, kind of cleanup phase. Either you want to do it or it's for the alternate ending, right? Typically, and it is one of those things where, depending on how it's tackled, it is either the best or the worst part. Because it is really satisfying to actually comb through and find everything. It just really, uh, it's how easy they allow you to do so, you know, if you've got decent access to fast travel or if at that point of the game just traversal is a complete breeze, and especially more so than that, fun. And this one hasn't been particularly 
tasking in this regard. They make it easy enough to get around and all that. So I am enjoying it for what it is. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to having it uh, done properly because I've gotten at least the one ending, but you could always expect an ending in a game of this scale for a Metroidvania to be like, you beat it, but you didn't really beat it. And then there's another like five plus hours afterwards. And that's like one of those tropes that have been around for a while now. Like, uh, Symphony of the Night kind of had something like that, right? Symphony of the Night did, yeah. Um, a lot of the uh, Castlevania games were really the first start of the like 50% end game. And uh, I actually uh, happened to fall for that once. I want to say when I was my first ever playthrough of Aria of Sorrow, uh, I just got the regular quote-unquote bad ending and it's very melancholic where they're just kind of like well i guess that's it i mean evil still looms but not today game doesn't over. it give you like an actual game over screen i think so yeah because that's that's when you just find graham right you just you find him you beat him and uh just Ta-da, like, well, game over <laughs> i I guess we saved the day, maybe. To be continued, question mark. Yeah, and uh, I want to say, like, when I was younger, I felt like, well, that was a horrible ending. But now that I've kind of, like, figured out the trope and whatnot, they really do a good job of making you feel like that wasn't a very satisfying ending. So clearly there's more to it. Yeah, you aren't getting that joy out of completion of it, right? I Where... want to see the credits roll. Yes. It's, it, and you know what? There are games... Uh, metroidvanias that have you get the bad ending and still see the credits roll so how many people have missed those endings like not not a metroidvania by any means but uh banjo kazooie you know the amount of times that i've heard people say that they didn't realize after the quiz show ending spoilers whoops after uh the quiz show section they thought the game was done because that's when it gives you the credits it's not till you go back into your... Because it brings you back to the main menu after the credits. And you open your save file up. And Tui's just there. They're all hanging out on the beach. And it's like, the witch is still out there. Gretilda's still out there. Go get her. <laughs> and then there's the whole boss fight after. I mean, I can safely say as a child, I fell for the fake credits after fighting K. Rule. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. I, I forgot about those. No, yeah. I think I... I think it was first pointed out to me because I never actually owned Donkey Kong Country 1. I only owned 2 and 3. But ah. uh, so, uh, the person I was borrowing it off of, I think, mentioned to me, you notice how all the names have K? <laughs> and then so you I die. Knew, I knew something was up. And yeah. then a crown came from across the boat. Oh, anyway. Such a, such a fun <laughs> boss fight. But uh, yeah, uh, back on track. What, uh, what have you been up to? So I've actually... Dove headfirst and completed 100% uh, Death's Door, which oh, isn't is it a really a good game. It is such a gem. I don't know. Something about just seeing a bird saunter along with a sword just, just warms my heart. It's time to do the umbrella run. Ooh. See, when I beat it, I did enjoy it, like, a lot, but I don't know if I'd really want to do the umbrella run just because it doesn't change anything about the game it just means things are going to take more hits right you you're handicapping yourself in yeah a sense. 
but there's no new attack patterns or enemy no. variants or anything. So, I mean, it's a self-imposed challenge mode, so definitely something if you're trying to just do a much more, not speed run, but just more cohesive run. Because I know the first time I played through it, I took my time and, you know, explored every nook and cranny. As where at this time, when I were to go through it again, it would just be get things done. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. It's uh, it's so I I guess one thing that we should say is, uh, the umbrella run for anyone who doesn't know is there's a weapon, the umbrella, and it is the weakest weapon in the game. So essentially, you're trying to beat the game just the umbrella, the weakest weapon. Well, and it has the exact same attack patterns as your base weapon. It just has either half or a quarter of the damage output. So it doesn't really change up how the game plays. It just kind of nerfs you a good chunk. Yeah. But in anyways, it was it was an absolutely fantastic time. It is such a gem that would have been nice to talk about on the other episode, but maybe maybe in the future. No, but the we, the, we can't the, get them all at once. No. The the game itself was just so charming. It's weird because a lot of games that try and do that serious while still being like charming and funny just falls flat on its face where this seems to keep it actually really separated. It still has its charm, still has its funny moments like Jefferson, the uh, guy at the soup kitchen. He just wants to provide you nourishment <laughs> and a little bit of offhand gossip. Or I guess one thing that uh, I'm going to spoil about it is... The first area that I went to anyways, because you, you can kind of choose where you're going to go first. But the, the area that I went to was the, the estate, the garden. And I come across a NPC and his head is a pot, like a soup pot. And it gives me almost like that boss fight uh, kind of announcements, which it does on all all fights. But he came up saying, Pothead, he really likes soup. Something like that. But just his name in big bold letters across the screen, Pothead. And it's like, that is chef's kiss. He has a head for a bot. He is Pothead. And then he tries to cheer you up by serving his brains. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. (laughs) Yeah, just, uh, just a little bit. But yeah, absolutely fantastic game. I have since moved on to Loop Hero because that finally came in the mail. And uh, it is really fun. I'm quite taken back because when, when I originally got it, I, I was pretty much getting it based on its praise that I was getting. So I've seen a little bit of it. Now I've actually got my hands on it and it is it's just a lot of fun. It's hard to kind of explain because there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, even though that it looks kind of like an idler, but it's not. If that makes sense. It seems like the kind of game that uh, you can't really gauge from looking at it. You can really only figure out what you're getting into by actually getting your hands on it. Yeah, it's you can get a bit of what's going on from like trailers and everything, but until you actually get your hands on and learn the mechanics behind it, you just find it's very, very in-depth. And not a turn-based. It kind of gave me... It's it's an odd comparison to make because they would fit in rather different genres. But it gave me vibes of, like, Darkest Dungeons. I could kind of see that. 
it, not as deliberately depressing and dreary, but because that's also a uh, rogue-like game as well. Um, but I feel like less, you, yeah. you have a little bit more influence on the world, and that's kind of where the big spin on the game is, as opposed to just hoping you don't die. Yeah. I mean, going through the dungeons in Darkest Dungeon and Loop Hero, you could kind of make some kind of similarity to, minus the combat, because in Loop Hero you don't actually do any kind of combat, but you do change the equipment of your character. And since you have control of the map, because you're essentially building the map as you go based on cards that you're given from defeating enemies on the map. So, example, any normal road path will spawn one slime uh, or has a certain percentage chance to spawn a slime on it every one day and as you go time progresses so you'll start out just fighting slimes and then because you're trying to build up your resources and build enough uh, restructuring of the world to summon the boss to fight you you start placing down things like a vampire uh, house something like that and the range that it'll show like a little blue outline and showing everywhere that it touches. So when you encounter an enemy on any of those squares that the vampire house touches, it'll uh, spawn a vampire in the in the fight. And that's not always good because they can be a little strong at times, depending on how many enemies are on the screen at once. But they also have lifesteal. But now, so say we have that vampire house, and then we put down a swamp area in there uh, in within range of the vampire house. The swamps cause healing effects to be the reverse. So any healing will damage you, any healing will damage the enemies. So when you got these vampires in a swamp, they're actually losing health because of their life, life steal. So that's like one of those tiny little strategies. That's kind of cool. It's uh, It's got interesting ways that you can manipulate the world around you to your advantage. Um, and you can use, like, for example, what you just explained. You, things that would typically become a detriment to yourself, you can actually use to your advantage. Exactly. And, of course, the stronger the enemies and the better uh, loot and everything that you're going to get, so... Interestingly, the structure, just how, you know, you're the one setting up, like, the domains for these specific creatures and whatnot, it actually reminds me of a tabletop, I don't know if you'd call it a board game or a card game, it all comes in one package, it's not like a collectible card game by any means, but I think it's called Boss Monster, and it's a, almost similar, but with, instead of being like, you know, trying to help out the hero, you are the main villain of it, but you build your dungeon. And, yes. Uh, yeah, it has that kind of vibe to it. Kind of, yeah. I, I based on it being a tabletop game, I don't remember the rules exactly. I think I've only played it the once, but I think the game would have much more uh, complexities. Oh well, it would make to, more to, sense. To, to, yeah. yeah. It's not as, like as a I was saying that. It's like that. That's kind of obvious to say. <laughs> yeah, um, but of course, like. You know, something like Boss Monster, you're just busting it out with a couple buddies for an hour. This is a full-blown gaming experience for yourself, so clearly it's going to be more fleshed out. Yeah. That does sound quite interesting, but it also sounds like one of those things where... Would would you say watching it doesn't get the appeal of what's happening? Uh, 
without knowledge of what's happening, you wouldn't understand what's happening. Yeah. That that sounds like a loop itself. That sounds uh, <laughs> oddly satisfying. Kind of like when I get into stone soup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I could see some similarities behind them both. Because it is kind of like a dungeon run. You're going in the brown loop constantly. I just meant the fact that no one's ever going to understand what's actually happening in a game of stone soup with me. This is true. Yeah. I know a little bit because I, I have checked it out. It's but, uh, uh, one of the greatest things ever. But aside from that, that's all I'm kind of doing at the moment. I do want to get into Ender Lilies, but so that might be uh, that might be next. It is. Uh, it's a good time for a Metroidvania. I can definitely recommend it. But uh, I think we uh, should probably get on to the meat of the day, which is playing with a little bit of power. Yes, a, <laughs> a little bit because a little bit. I mean, Sega doesn't make consoles. No. They make mini consoles. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess we should uh, kind of start with the progenitor of this whole uh, craze, at least this craze being taken seriously, uh, with uh, none other than the Nintendo Mini. Yes, the Famicom yeah. Mini, the NES Mini, if you will, or NES Classic Edition, I think was the official name. I think for, that's for what the one it in was, North America, yeah. anyways. Um, and uh, before even discussing the console itself. I want to say, do you remember what it was like when these things launched? Uh, the NES I wasn't around for. The... I, 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 not not the original console, the miniature console. Oh, the mini consoles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. My we're bad. not going My back bad. to before we existed. That would be... I, I, I was going to say, I, I... Come on. So, so nostalgic, yes. I wasn't even there. <laughs> it's a blast from the past, literally. Yeah. So, yes, I kind of do. I don't think I was paying that much attention uh, to the actual launch of them. But I was lucky enough, because I think they did a relaunch in 2018. Because they originally came over here in 2016. Ended 2016. And that was it. And then they did a relaunch. And I remember hearing about them during that period that they were all gone. It was like, oh, that would be really cool. And then, of course, scalper prices. And then I ended up going into GameStop. And just I went one into there. Game, and there was one there. Ooh. And uh, a Super Nintendo Classic, which well, I bought them both at the same time. It's like, yeah, I'm snagging these now while I can. That's what I was going to say. I was pretty sure the relaunch happened shortly around the time that the uh, SNES Mini uh, came out as well, right? Yeah. And uh, it was almost to satisfy as an alternative for just in case the SNES Mini wasn't out, but also to pander to the people who didn't get it the first time because they were surprisingly limited production. And that was the thing that I think is pretty am uh, amusing about the launch of these uh, mini consoles was this was kind of before the whole, like, pandemic craziness towards the retro game environment. These were just uh, another thing that we figured Nintendo's going to put out something cool in very small numbers. And... Yeah, before it even became, like, the height of video game scalping, like it has been since, like, late 2020 to now, uh, they were always a pretty hot ticket item. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they were... I mean, people were paying those scalper prices. There's a reason it was being scalped. It's because it's worth money, right? People know that they can get away with being scummy. Which was sad, but I didn't have to succumb to the scalper prices. No. No. When, I when, when did you get yours? 
I actually managed to get my Nest Mini um, not immediately on launch, but it was part of the first wave that launched. Uh, okay. So I did manage to actually jump on it in time, and it was one of those situations where it was because I don't know if you were able to pre-order them immediately or not, but it was always the whole just check back and see if we have them sort of thing, and I just happened to look out, and uh, I also remember when the SNES Mini came out, it was also pretty hard, and it was very much just a, if you see one, grab it. Yeah, and that's kind of what I did when I found mine and the NES. And, I mean, we are now at the point today, and I haven't actually looked up what it's like to buy one of these on the secondary market, but... I know I haven't really seen them since. No, they they don't show up too often. Uh, you could probably find them on eBay, but uh, oh, I'd be that, I'd be kind of nervous of that. That's exactly where I want to get it is eBay. So, oh dear. Now that I'm curious, you talk. I'm going to look up something. <laughs> oh, okay. You're going to look up some secondhand prices. Yes. But uh, I got to say, like you know, as much as a pain as it went to get to, it was it was kind of cool. Just like. That whole, the world cared about the NES for a brief while once again. Almost kind of like when Pokemon Go launched and then everyone cared about that for about two or three months. Uh, yeah, and, you're not wrong. I didn't even think about that. Well, and the NES yeah, that's, Mini, that's like, neat. It, it appeals to a very specific point in nostalgia. Like You would have had a lot of non-hardcore gamers picking this up just because it had some of their titles from their childhood. And... Uh, I'll wait until you figure out what you're doing, and we can actually start diving into just some brief thoughts on these things that we have in our uh, little libraries here. Sounds good. So the more promising one that's actually at a buy now price as opposed to auction, because who knows with an auction. Uh, so we, a Nintendo Entertainment System NES Classic Edition Mini Brand New Mint Condition. They're trying to hit every keyword in that title. It is going for $224.99 Canadian, plus 30 really? shipping. Really? So, I can't remember what these were at launch. I want to say somewhere between eighty to a hundred dollars. So I know that they were probably around the eighty mark because I believe they were sixty in the states. And then the SNES was a hundred. Was it more? I feel like the SNES was more. Yes, yes, it was. It was eighty U.S. So probably uh, okay. probably a hundred Canadian. Okay, so yeah, they are definitely not exactly the cheapest thing to acquire anymore. That's that's double the price. Don't pay scalpers, just hope Nintendo gets their head out of their ass and releases some of these again. Or, you know, well, I mean, we all know there's other ways if you're really hurting to play these games. Yeah, but I will be an advocate for emulation is just not the same. Well, and just something feels like, I mean, not everyone feels the same about this, but I am a big fan of if I can get official hardware without going bankrupt, I would ha be happy to. Yeah, I mean, buying secondhand, you're not helping the developer anyways, so we can cut that argument out of the table, but uh, you're essentially just paying, again, uh, someone who knows what they have is worth money. Which, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's based on rarity and everything. And You can see, though, why they would people would go so crazy for it. Like, I mean, for starters, it's adorable. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, you, you're pushing the on-off buttons and the reset buttons. Like, they do 
they do a really good job of replicating a lot of that experience on a smaller scale just outside of that really satisfying, scratchy click sound of popping a cartridge into the tray. Yes, but I will say, for at least the North American ones, why does the tray lid not move? Oh, here's an even better question. Why is the cable, especially on the uh, NES Classic, about as long? long as my arm? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is, and if I'm not mistaken, because uh, I booted up all of my mini consoles earlier, I think the NES one only came with one controller. Mine came with two. Did it come with two? I can't remember if it came with one or two or not. I do know that you could buy the extensions for the cables, which is hilarious. Yes. But the SNES certainly came with two. Yes, and one longer of them cables. Came with one. I can't remember which one. It might have even been the PlayStation Mini. The PlayStation only came with one, yes. That's what it was. Oh, that's going to add to the list of complaints about that one. <laughs> but that'll be but in the future. That'll be in the future. But uh, you want to... Let's, let's dive into a list of games. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what do, I, guess, I guess I'll start. So I just kind of have them down here in the order that they occurred on the console itself. I want to say this is like an order of release, but... Uh, Either way, I'll fire one off, and uh, first we're going to start with uh, Excite Bike. My personal thoughts on Excite Bike: It's kind of one of those games that, like, if you had an NES, you probably had Excite Bike. If not, you knew someone who did. And um, it's not a game that I look back on as like an immediately fun time, but it's kind of just a staple of just a classic NES library, right? Yes. Also, I did not have Excite Bike. Or did I know anyone that actually had it? Well, that just goes and completely upends my point because I, that was one of those games that like I knew friends, family, cousins, and whatnot. They most of them typically had Excite Bike, and we would usually play it for a bit. I don't think we would play it for any more than like twenty, thirty minutes. But some maybe it's just the name Excite Bike. Maybe it was just the annoying or not annoying, but enjoyable like music and sounds coming from it. But I feel like it deserves to be here. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly a staple of the NES. Even though it's 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 a it's it's a black box. It's a black box game. It's a black Actually, box. The, those games hit different. I will say it does do a pretty good uh, job of catching the different eras of the NES within the whole kind of package. Uh, at, I mean, like I said, my list seems to be based on release. So starting off, we have just nothing but black box here. Yeah, that's that's fair. So yeah, a, a site bike I've I've loaded up a couple times. It's 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 okay. I haven't put the time in to learn how to play it, but so I keep crashing. But but I it, I feel it, like it, it belongs. It belongs here. It belongs yeah. here. Yeah. Um. What about <laughs> this? I ice climber. I I don't. I don't think we need that. I would argue that you do, mainly because where I first found out about Ice Climbers was actually Super Smash Brothers. I feel like you are very much not alone on that discovery. Yes, yeah, so I think because of that, anyone who is going to be getting one of these mini consoles are going to be nostalgic for the NES. Chances are they have a little bit of nostalgia for N64 and they probably played Super Smash Brothers. So to see the actual game where those characters came from, I mean, that that could be a lame excuse for a lot of games not being on that. But 
I would very much say that the reason Ice Climber is here is because they have representation in Smash. Because I don't know... I've never known it to be something with a really high reputation for the early library. And I've played it. It's... And I mean, a lot of these really early NES titles have this kind of feel, which I have mixed feelings on, but I can completely understand it for the time. But it's just very arcadey, right? Yeah, because that's, that's more or less how games were known as, right? The, well, there was, was Atari, but even Atari games felt a bit arcadey, but just being really poor quality in comparison. Well, I mean, the whole shtick to get video games in the home is it was a home arcade, right? It was that arcade experience that you didn't have to go somewhere and sink a bunch of quarters in. So, though it's not the era that I was particularly raised in, I can completely see the appeal for games of that nature being on the console. Yes. But I don't like it. <laughs> I I actually don't mind Ice Climbers. Uh, never beaten it, never put in much time, but I know I've played it more than Bike. I don't know if you can beat Ice Climbers. I feel like it's an endless game. It might be. Although it, it even be. even a lot of those endless games... You get some kind of satisfaction. Like, you get, you hit, like, let's say, screen 40, and it's just like, congratulations. And then you just, it almost loops. Or even Donkey Kong, the, the original Donkey Kong. It was, granted, that was an arcade game too, but it had that, you got to the level 4, I think, and... Then Mario and Pauline, or Jumpman and Pauline, have their little thing. Well, and then I guess, uh, it restarts. I guess on that note, uh, Donkey Kong. Um, I yeah. I don't think I can really say much to argue against this game being here. I mean, it's kind of where Nintendo got its foot in the door in the world of gaming. Like they've done other things, but that is the iconic original Nintendo game. It is probably one of the most ones that are most deserving on this list. Yeah, even if it's one of those games that, like, I mean, you can say it aged poorly, you can say it aged great, it's really just a matter of opinion, but um, it's probably one of the most minimal games. Like, it's only, what, just four levels on loop, right? Yep. Yeah, but, again, it very much deserves its place as history. Uh, Donkey Kong Jr., on the other hand, I have mixed feelings on... But I think it's different enough from the original Donkey Kong that it is an experience that's very original on this console. So I could say, like, though it's not for me, I can accept it being here. That's fair. I would argue that just because it's as similar, it does... Uh, I mean, okay. Rethink this. We already have Donkey Kong. That was yeah. the more popular one. That was kind of the staple. Like, how many times do you say Nintendo to someone? Um, at least early on in the in the years and the first thing they say is donkey kong jr uh people who are really defending his disappearance after mario kart <laughs> so never um this is true uh but at the same time i'm thinking as an experience itself like there's not really any climbing puzzle games other than donkey kong jr or ice climbers not really a puzzle, but... <laughs> it does have climbing. That is a good point. It does uh, have climbing. So it's... For me, Donkey Kong Jr., I can accept its place here, but I wouldn't have battered an eye if it wasn't here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then these, I think, we can all say... it. 
this is one of those scenarios you might think is too much, but then if you really look at what they are, it's not. But just uh, Mario 1, 2, and 3. They kind of have to be I say this without saying here. 100%. are going to save the people's livers. Um, they are some of the most notable games when you do think of Nintendo, is the Mario franchise. And it all started with 1, 2, and 3. And technically, they were all very different. There's Lost Levels or the actual Mario 2, but... Like, that's yeah, kind of no. why you can't really make a case for any one of them, because one is iconic, and it's a solid game all around. Like, it is kind of the progenitor of the modern platformer. Two is probably the one that you would consider the least likely to add, but one, it's Mario, but also it's so drastically different in its gameplay that it kind of almost deserves its spot for that fact alone. Almost the point that I was making with Junior, but it's a better game. One thing I will say about 2 is it's in Mario 2, or Mario USA, if you will. It's the one that got a lot of the characters in the Mario franchise their kind of designated moves. Luigi jumping, Princess Toadstool floating. Because they've carried those mechanics on, mainly Luigi, but for a lot of different games. Or even Super Smash Brothers. Not only that. Now, I can't speak to, like, actual artistic media magazines and whatnot, but um, it kind of set up what their designs would be as well. Because if you think back to the original Mario Bros, Mario and Luigi were the exact same sprite, just color-swapped, right? And if you even look at the artwork for the Mario Bros arcade game, they're just the same guy wearing different clothes. As where with Mario Bros 2, at least to my understanding, is the first time that... Luigi was depicted as the taller of the two. Peach kind of looked a little bit more how she would just kind of like... Her depiction in Mario Bros. 3 and Super Mario World were kind of like building off of the uh, design she had in Mario Bros. 2. It's like Mario Bros. 1 was the step-defining for platforming for gameplay mechanics. And Mario USA is what gave them character. And then, really, the only case that you have to make for Mario Bros. 3 is it is just one of the greatest platformers ever made. And kind of a technical marvel. Like, that game looks really good for the hardware that it's running on. It looks really good. It feels faster and more mechanically sound. Like, the fact that uh, you can fly, and even just your jumps, how they have a bit more of that floatiness, as where the original Mario Bros., like, he drops like a sack of hammers. Yeah, no, it's, you You go over a hole just a slight too soon, you're dropping fast. Well, and you don't feel like you're running on ice. Unless you're running on ice. <laughs> that happens sometimes. There was no ice in the first one. No, there wasn't. It was just brick and bit of tree grass. Was there even? A th- hmm. I guess so, yeah. And sometimes water with nearby bricks. Yeah. Bricks that were actually people. Yeah, don't Terrifying. read the Super Mario Brothers 1 manual. Bowser God, was a I, wizard. I, I miss those things. Um, so what, what's I'm, the... Go on. I was just going to say, like, just on the topic of Mario as well, uh, the arcade game, sure. Yeah. <laughs> just sure. I'm not about to defend it as great by any means, but it's kind of one of those... Um, obscure just pieces of Mario history that, like, where else are people going to play it, right? 
They shove that game into everything. But, okay. They used to, anyways. If what you're referring to is how they had it as a, uh, like, just an optional minigame on all of the Game Boy Advance versions, what they did with that was actually really cool, though. So, I do not know anything about that. (laughs) Well, then I'm surprised that you were complaining about how it was put everywhere then. Uh, So... In that regard, uh, so the Super Mario Advance line that was like, you know, just the different ports for the Game Boy Advance, um, each of them came with the Mario Bros. arcade game. And you could hook up any of these, the Mario Advance games, it could be one or three or whatever together, and play the arcade game to, no matter what cartridges you both had. That is pretty neat. I like it's, that. It, it's an interesting kind of way to make more games compatible. And yes, I could appreciate that. That said... Um, outside of, like, the few sibling skirmishes you can get out of, uh, doing it in Mario Bros. 3, take it or leave it, I'm really not gonna miss it. Yeah, I'm not gonna miss it. Yeah. No, it's, it's so minimal, you, you touch it to see where it came from. Yeah. Not even for nostalgia, some people, I'm sure, but no nostalgia for me, anyways, but I do know it, I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there, but uh, you were you were gonna make a point before I brought that up. If I'm if assuming you remember it, uh, wasn't a point. I was just gonna say what uh, what's next on the list. Oh, what's next on the list? Well, we uh, we got through the Mario, but uh, just just drew a heart beside this one. Uh, oh, <laughs> this this is gonna be one of two things, and I'm uh, gonna let you have it. I'm just you know I'm gonna I'm gonna save my deep dive about it, but. Did, balloon fight just makes me so happy <laughs> like it is just the most wonderful ga- okay so yeah i could i could say i have my gripes with the more arcade style game but uh i'll always have time for balloon fight it just feels so good to play it's so unique it's so weird and the balloon trip mode where you're not actually taking out the other people with the balloons has some of the most relaxing music for one of the most stressful tasks you will ever go into. It is just a gem, and uh, easily just my highest love out of all of the black box releases. I think I'm done. I I can't stop giggling at your undying love for Blue Fight. (laughs) It's just so... And you know what the weirdest part is? My love for it did not start with Balloon Fight. What did it start from? Uh, there was essentially a sort of like updated remake of the game that I found on Newgrounds when I was younger. Um, and it was just okay. Balloon Fight, but it had like equipable items and stuff like that. And uh, you could customize your character and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it was just a fun Flash game. And I played it for hours. And uh, then I discovered that it was an NES game. And it has just been love ever since. Someone should make a movie of that. Oh, that would be a great movie. All right, what, people, what do we got next? Because <laughs> um, I, I have them in alphabetical order, so... Uh, okay, so my list is a little bit different. Yeah, Your that's list is throwing me for a loop. <laughs> I bet. Um, so pretty much everything that we've had up until this point has just been just core Nintendo titles, right? But uh, now yes. we have uh, a good, strong third-party entry... Uh, a game that I want to devote more time to, but I'm also scared of. Um, 
And that is Ghosts and Goblins. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And this is uh this is definitely a nice good entry from Capcom, right? Yes. Um and it's also one of those games that's for the more hardcore quote unquote uh people who are actually like deliberately looking for a challenging game like right from the get go, right? Yeah, it's certainly has this challenge. And I mean there there's clearly kids who have beat it. It's a I, very doable I, game. I have not. <laughs> no, I've gotten maybe to the second level, but I've also never really like if it was a game that I grew up with, I probably would have just brute forced my way until I got to the end of it one day, just because it is that good. But because it's only a game that I've briefly dabbled in every time I've tried a version of it. I can only get so far. But it's one of those kind of games that I've always been really intrigued about. So its difficulty doesn't put me off. It's just a game that I know that, like, okay, we're going to You're scared of. A little bit, yeah. Yep. Um, but also just one that I know that I'm actually going to have to devote my time to. Because I mean, if I really wanted to, I could just save scum my way through it with save states. But that's not how I want to do it. No. That would be a good yeah. way of practicing. Of course. But, uh, yeah. So I think that's a game that uh, it it deserves its place here. And, I mean, it's a pretty notorious game on the NES library. And it's a, it's a hit from Capcom. It's uh, one I, of I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the few licensed games on this list, right? I wouldn't... You couldn't really call that a licensed game, though. Or not, not like a franchise license, but a it third was... Third party. Yeah. yeah. Um... It would be one of the first in a chronological sense, yeah, but this is kind of where the gates start opening up for the third-party representation, because the next thing that we have on here is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> um, it is it Gradius? Gradius? Yes, the the smup, right? It is, it is a smup, yes. And uh, though it's not really my immediate pick, like, you know, I'm not about to go oh yay it's got gradius um i do think it belongs here solely because like there isn't really much shmup representation on the nest mini and it's also just kind of a landmark in the genre as well yeah i i could get behind that like not they they weren't gonna flood the thing with smups right this is an action 52 yeah but it is good to have that kind of representation because we know that there were a lot of smups back in the day well and that's what i really like about the nes mini is it's a very kind of like a nice charcuterie board of just different kind of genres and experiences that the nes had to offer i mean it's got what 40 games on it right is that many that's on it i think so 30 it's rough is it only 30 either way yeah it is a very like well selected variety of games so yeah even though it's not for me i would say that um it belongs here just to kind of represent the genre it's part of and also with it being like the nes they were thinking about how to market it to people they want things flashy and whatnot granted this is the mini console but back in the day it did play a shooter or more arcade style games were appealing to people to start selling the the actual console this is very true. Now, because this is here, I'm going to skip ahead on my list to complain about a different game, but it's kind of something that, like, I can see the points of, 
But uh, trying to remember what it's called. It was another shooter. Um, Galaga, that's it. So Gradius is a horizontal shooter, right? Whereas like you're moving along the screen and basically what gives you the impression that you're actually progressing in the level, right? Yep. Galaga is the very Space Invaders-esque, almost static screen uh, horror, or vertical shooter, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's straight out of the arcade, right? That's it is one hundred percent a pure arcade, like a classic Atari age arcade experience. And I'm not gonna knock it in the way that I know that there are people who love it to death, but it's one of those things that's on this list that I feel like doesn't really need to be here. No, but I can argue the same thing with Gradius. That's fair. Because it it depends on who you're appealing to. Exactly. Where if you're trying to get a very broad spectrum, you're going to want... I mean, it's it's a nostalgic-driven product, right? So you're going to be wanting the people who remember the good old arcade days, who are going to get it just to kind of check things out again. Where I say the things outweigh out of Galaga's favor is... There's already a lot of very arcadey games on this list. Which is so, fair, but I would argue that Galaga was a huge hit. Aside from like Donkey Kong and stuff, like Galaga was very, very popular, from my understanding. This is very true, yeah. I think Galaga was one of the first ones after Space Invaders to kind of like take that formula and change it up a bit. Yeah, it was their advancement on it, I think. I think so. Um, but uh, So that's one that like, not... Not particularly uh, my favorite on this list. Yeah, I I don't care for it personally, but I can understand it being on here. That's that's fair. Uh, I think that neither of us are going to really have any arguments against this next one. Uh, Castlevania. Cookie Monster at the end. Yep, yep. It it kind of follows that same niche as uh, Ghosts and Goblins. It's although challenging but i wouldn't say it's nearly as difficult um, oh god no like but, ghosts uh, and goblins will punch you in the face castlevania will just be like prod you constantly that it gets annoying kind of kind of goes for your shins yeah ankle yeah. biters um but uh i think castlevania very much belongs here not even just like as a solid platformer but as like kind of almost a front runner for a konami on the console yes it's it's that iconic konami back in the day when they were really good uh kind of seal because they were all over nintendo at the time so well, it, it would be hard not to put in a konami game especially castlevania it's it's one of their more popular franchises well and castlevania is just a solid showcase of so many different things when it comes to the nes you just got the solid gameplay uh you've got the kind of more like, this is the kind of game that would have sparked a lot of kids' imaginations, right? With the whole kind of pseudo-horror themes and gothic uh, medieval setting. And just solid music. I want to say this is around the time they started taking the NES sound chip really seriously. Yeah, they, they started making fire with water. Yeah, it's also... and uh, So this is a really weird kind of bit of... I don't know if you'd say trivia for this, but I guess any just kind of random anecdote can be considered trivia. So this is where we've now left the black box era and we've entered the very, very brief silver box era. 
and it might yeah. only be these four titles that are in it. Well, the weird part is uh, Gradius and Castlevania are both Silverbox titles, which they're not straight Nintendo IPs. Okay. But the next two are very much straight Nintendo IPs. And uh, you can almost kind of lump these two together, even though they're as different as they are. But uh, Kid Icarus and Metroid. So Kid Icarus, I have yet to really put time into. I've checked it out for maybe five minutes tops. And I kind of owe it to myself to actually go back and kind of check it out. I, I have an S-Mini. I can do it anytime. Uh, but Metroid, I've actually completed multiple times. And it is a difficult game. Uh, I'm glad it's on here, whether it needs to be or not. I think it kind of does. Not only because they've remade that game as Zero Mission for the Game Boy Advance, they're still remembering its roots. And I want Metroid to do good. I just think Metroid just kind of belongs here as... uh, It's kind of an incredibly massive experience for the NES, especially for its time, right? Uh, It's technically a Metroidvania of the early days. It, it's, it's just a Metroid, but yes. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, I'm using modern terms for older yeah. systems. Um, it would probably be one of the first games that ever came out where you didn't get to the end of a level. You just kind of did the whole game. You just kept exploring. Yeah, and uh, I think one, that's pretty crazy. One annoying thing about Metroid, though, is it was originally a Famicom Disk System game. So you were able to save. At this uh, time, we had games that could save, but they didn't put the save functionality in the version that we got in North America. But even the board of the cartridge has a spot for a battery. So it was just kind of something last minute that happened that they took that away. Well, and the Luckily, worst part is those passwords are not really the most friendly to uh, read and write down. No. A little more blurry back in the day on a crt well not only which, that which, too. which is funny i say that but i mean realistically yeah that's how they were back in the day that's how it's nice to remember them we have crt filters on a lot of things including the nest mini yeah but for font no <laughs> just just no well and not only that if i'm not mistaken there was uppercase lowercase and i think an even entirely different font in the password selection as well so you basically had access to two alphabets if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. And then you never knew when you're taking down the password if it's a capital or a little uh, small letter. Is this supposed to be an I or an L? I don't know. Yes. I yeah. think that was one of the most heinous ones. But uh, Metroid, I think just with its legacy alone and the fact that, yeah, though it has aged like butter, it's still an incredibly impressive game. Like, it's one that is rough around the edges but is not like impossible due to it so after i learned my love of metroid games is when i actually went into metroid one on the nes and i know it can seem quite rough around the edges everything's kind of intentional the only thing i will say that kind of gets on i'm sure everyone's nerves is when you're going through a door transition and you can still be hit yeah, that's just yeah. one of the many things that are just kind of, I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? It's it's of the I era. Mean, there's a lot of Mega Man games, too, that just had really bad enemy placement just due to how you loaded into the screen. And it's just one of the kind of products of the era that, like, the it's tedious, but you know it wasn't their intention. 
Yeah, I feel like it's something that you wouldn't actually think about. And it's about. also stuff that we kind of give as a pass then. But now that we're in the days of like update patches and stuff like that, oh, we will raise hell. Yes. If it was in anything, anything modern, yeah. Absolutely. And then as for Kid Icarus, it's another one of those games that I also haven't put in a great deal of time. Another one that I might have, you know, gotten as far as the second level or something. And I'll admit, it's not my favorite, but I don't dislike it. I'm still going to play it one day. Hopefully soon. Well, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of those games, too, that kind of gets a little bit better as you go. I think you get, like, certain upgrades that kind of change how the gameplay works. I don't know, like, something along the lines of, like, double jumps and more powerful shots. Haven't gotten far enough, but uh, it is... I, I would agree as well. Like, it's worth my time for an actual full playthrough one day. Just when? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it belongs on here. It's it's nice to see on here. But, uh, yeah, so moving on from those absolute legends, we have probably something that's even more legendary in its own right. It even has it in the title. I'm surprised you did. Legend of Zelda. I didn't know that you were going to no? have me do that. I, I just figured, it, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's next. And uh, really, is there any reason to not have this here? No, I think they'd be stupid if they didn't put yeah. it in. Yeah, I just... But was that a silver box? No, it is a gold box. And outside of the sequel, probably the only gold box. But at that point, they had kind of stopped with yes. the, like, kind of release gimmicks and just kind of did regular box arts at this point. Yeah. So, um, Which is but, good. Yeah, what more is there to say? It's the original Legend of Zelda. It's almost as much as keeping, like, the original Mario on here at this point. So, I have something to say when we get there, but let's continue um, on. It's Legend of Zelda, come right. on. I will expand on that more than they just, come on, it's good. Uh, there's really nothing else of its kind on the console. No, there's not. It was it was the first explorative style game, right? In that, I mean, you could make the argument that Metroid's explorative, but Zelda's a whole different beast on how you tackle it, how you get your progression. Just the world itself, it's got so much color! There's more sense of discovery in Legend of Zelda than there would be the Metroid. The backgrounds aren't just a black void. This is kind of where no. they started using more layers on the console as well. They started getting better with their equipment. Yeah, yeah evolution in tandem. But uh, I guess a game that's uh, a little bit less of a just obvious Chrono Trigger, go play it. Um, punch Out. Not anyone's specific Punch Out. Just Punch Out. They're the same game, just Mike Tyson was replaced with uh what Mr. is it dream i think mr dream yeah yeah they have the same move set oh yeah equally just, difficult they they took in mice uh mike tyson there was a lot of good reasons for that as well i think what's actually funnier did you know the story of power punch 2 yeah. yes <laughs> we're just gonna try and make our own uh punch out too with blackjack and hookers uh Pretty much. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, they essentially made a Mike Tyson fighting aliens game. It's a spiritual and, sequel uh, to Punch-Out. Yeah. yeah. What a train wreck. It wasn't and, good. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's not... Would you call Punch-Out third person? I... I... In a, in a yeah, weird way? I, 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 I guess so, yeah. Yeah, uh, as where... It's not like the over-the-shoulder, it's still a third person. Yeah, um, as were Power Punch 2, I believe it was just horizontal. You and your opponent were facing each other. Uh, kind of like, and here's a game that uh, 
You know, I'm glad they didn't put it on here, even though it is a, a black box classic that I'm fond of just because of how stupid it is, but uh, Urban Champion. I have nothing to it's say to just, that. It's <laughs> not a good game. It's a hilarious game because it's basically just drunken street brawls the game. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad it didn't make it in here. Uh, what was after Punch-Out? Oh, yeah, we talked about Galaga. Uh, here's a misunderstood child. Castlevania 2. Yeah, it's uh, certainly misunderstood. I mean, there's been videos about it on how bad it is. I don't think it's that bad. You want to know what I actually wrote down for this? It wouldn't yes. be here if it sucked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think that's really just the best way to put it is Castlevania 2 is just a very misunderstood experimental. And here's another thing that, like, though I think that the selections for these kind of, like, small catered con mini consoles should be a lot more varied. The fact that it does have a lot of sequels in these franchises is actually really interesting because this is the era where, like, sequels weren't a more improved version of the formula. It was just taking the character and doing something wildly different. So, like, for example, Mario 2 plays completely different, Donkey Kong Jr., Zelda 2, so Castlevania 2. So, yeah, it was a very much kind of, like, Castlevania 1 and Castlevania 2 are almost completely different genres at this point. So there's another game on here on the list that uh, had a 2 that played not completely different, but very different. So Zelda 2 was very different, I, I, unless that's not what you were getting at. No. Oh. No, Zelda, Zelda 2 is very oh. different. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, so, yeah, Castlevania 2... Simon's Quest, it's great. Yeah, it's... Maybe, maybe not great, but it's good. It's it's worth an attempt. Some things, if you use a guide, by all means. I mean, the NES days were cryptic. You just uh, you put your forehead on that wall and you wait for your catch the bus that is a tornado. Yes, with the red yeah, crystal. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be kneeling. Yeah, no, I think Castlevania 2 deserves its second chance in the light. And uh, also Zelda 2, which I haven't given the time, but... Uh, Another one that I'm glad I is here, and uh, for what I wrote for Zelda 2, it just says, see Castlevania 2, so. <laughs> so Zelda 2, very different compared to The Legend of Zelda. It was side-scrolling whatnot. We won't go too far into it, because we should be getting a yeah. move on. But uh, I think it's very misunderstood. It's very doable. Uh, I have actually beat that, where I haven't beat the original. Just, uh, I, I've That's just I dabbled. <laughs> That's about it. So Zelda 2 is a yay. Yeah, we'll kind of try to work through these more. This is what we... And it has a pogo jump. Come on. It's uh, becoming one of my more favorite things that's implemented in a modern game. I but love it. Uh, yeah, something that I'm not going to play, you're not going to play, but you know what? I'm going to say it belongs here. Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, no, Tecmo Bowl was uh, very popular back in the day. Well, not. So ab absolutely, it should be on here. It's just there's really nothing appealing to the sports crowd. So you know what? Give them something. And if you're going to give them something, give them one of the better experiences. And from what I'm aware, if you're into football, Tech Mobile, it's right up your alley. Um, it's a good time. Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. It just, yeah, Ninja Gaiden. Um, I, I think it's important to be on there as another difficult game for people. It was well praised back in the day, so it, it yeah. It, it kind of scratches that same kind of Ghosts and Goblins sort of challenge yourself niche. And uh, yeah, it was. Just with more popping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also very well regarded on there. Um, so I could say it belongs there. Uh, oh, here's here's our... Of course this should be here. Mega Man 2. Yep. 
kind of universally praised as the best Mega Man. And you know what? Even though it's not my particular favorite of the uh, original six on the NES, it definitely, out of all that you could pick, I think it's the best one to pick for this for everyone kind of experience, right? Yes. Outside of its popularity, yeah, absolutely. It's not so challenging that um, no one can really hop, uh, just hop into it and like not get it. And yeah, it's not the first one in the series, but barring how minimal plot there is aside, it's not so deep into it. Like if you, if just randomly it was like Mega Man Five, you'd be like, "Wow, I'm just gonna feel so lost. I'm not even gonna bother with this franchise." Yeah, and this was the first time that they had eight robot masters, which is pretty iconic. Right, it's just great music. Because the first one only had six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the first one just feels different. It's rough. Yeah, two is where the formula got solidified. Speaking of jumping and dropping like a rock, oh. Metroid or uh, Mega Man Two, Mega Man drops like a rock. In the first one, he does. In the second one and beyond, yeah. he's a lot floatier. Oh, was it not in the second one? No. Uh, the first one. Okay. Yeah. Mega Man is, you You inch towards that ledge the second you drop, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, no, they definitely Don't started think. to, uh, and the first one, if I'm not mistaken, too, you had a bit of momentum when you landed, and it kind of had that standing on ice thing that, like, the first Mario did, and uh, they just tightened everything up so well in Mega Man 2. This is uh, another one that I think is kind of underrepresentation on the console, so I think it belongs here for at least the fans of the genre, but uh, Double Dragon 2. Yeah, this isn't one I'm really going to be touching. But, but, but uh, there's no other beat-em-ups. It's, 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 no. You gotta have a... Yeah, no, I, I, I think, well, beat-em-ups were very welcomed back in the day as well, right? So without a... It, it it has a lot of meaning being there. Even though they're not really a genre that, like, outside of just, like, throwbacks these days, it's really not the most popular. It's definitely a pretty iconic staple of just couch co-op good times. Yeah. So, yeah, Double Dragon definitely belongs It's It's here. a respectable choice. Here's an interesting one. Super C. And the reason good why I Contra. say that's... But, Super C isn't Contra, it's Super C. So this is why I'm waiting on my copy of the Contra Anniversary Edition, because I never actually got to play Contra back in the day. So and the only the only one I've played was was there Contra with Battletoads? Um No, that's Double Dragon and Battletoads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I've I know I've played a Contra, but yeah. Anyway, Super C. So I had to boot it up uh, when I was going over everything just to kind of make sure it wasn't, like, just a different name that we got. But, uh, so Contra is the one that I'm sure you've seen lots of footage via, you know, your AVGNs and whatnot of Contra, right? Of that beginning jungle level. Okay, so Super C isn't that beginning jungle level. And this is the only way I knew I was playing a completely different game. It happens on, like, almost like a base and it starts, like, with you going up a hill. Like, if you've seen Super C, you would know it's the different game. But I think it's very interesting that they chose this as opposed to Contra. And even though it's a franchise I've not really been a fan of, I uh, I kind of messed around with it for about five minutes. It feels fantastic. A lot of those games, like Contra and Super C, do feel actually really good. I, I just, just... I suck. Th those games scare me. <laughs> yeah, I suck at them a lot. But, uh... 
yeah, after playing Super C for a bit, I might actually give it a serious go in the not-too-different future because it felt good. But yeah, I think it belongs here. Do I think it belongs here more than original Contra? I don't know, but someone does. I think Contra, like the original Contra, is kind of more well-known, but I think Super C is more respected. I think also, and I could be very wrong about this, but I think Contra is like a very mass-ported arcade game, and I think Super C is the made-for-the-NES Contra game. Okay. I could be wrong about that, but that does make sense to me as to why it would be there. But uh, the next one on this list is, uh, oddly enough, the only representation for this genre on the console, unless you start muddying what the uh, genre is. You want to take a guess at what that might be? Um... You played it a lot in your childhood. Okay, Star Tropics. Well, that is also here, and <laughs> that was also a part of your childhood, I've been informed. So it, it, it would be Star Tropics or Kirby's Adventure. That is also here. Um, but uh, no, I was going to say... This is backfiring on you. <laughs> this is definitely... You played too many games as a kid. Um, but, I uh, did. Final Fantasy, just the original. Oh, call back to episode one. Yeah. Um, of course this should be here. Yeah. Just... It is kind of why Squaresoft really hit it off. It's the RPG. It is, yeah, between, between that and Dragon Warrior, or Dragon Quest, whatever side of the pond you're on. Yeah, no, it, uh, it deserves a spot, yeah. Well, and not only that, it's, uh, it's a game that, you know graphically and at speed and whatnot might not be the most approachable way to play it, but it's still a great game to go back to even this day and age, right? Yep. So, I think it belongs here. <laughs> That's just... So, next we have Dr. Mario, and then I just put down, because hilariously we don't have Tetris. Oh yeah, we don't. No, Tetris is not on this console, and that, <laughs> I think that is so funny. Um, so, I mean, Dr. Mario makes sense as, like, a Nintendo game, but it would also be, if Tetris was here, I don't think Dr. Mario would need to be, but it probably still would be. But the fact that Tetris isn't... So, okay, here here's a small theory, and I just thought of this, so bear with me. Uh-huh. The Tetris on the NES that had multiplayer was Tengen. Yeah, which was not an illegal version of it, but, um, not the version that ended up becoming the... They they got a cease and desist for that version, basically, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. Between the their whole cloning the rabbit chip with uh, stolen documents and uh, yeah, they didn't actually have the rights. Yeah. So they didn't have access to the better game, which is kind of hilarious. But I mean, the NES needs its puzzle fix, and Doctor Mario is in itself different enough from Tetris, but still scratches that itch. So I I like them both. I like them both. Like I, it, those are the games that I just kind of pop into just for kicks, really. Just a quick twenty minutes or something. Got to go somewhere. It's also easy got to put down. Just some of the grooviest tunes to kill biological monsters too. Yep. Germ Absolutely. warfare. <laughs> and then so the next two. He's you... not a doctor. <laughs> what is he? The next two you brought up, which be uh, Star Tropics. All right, I got to rant about Balloon Fight, so you could have this one. <laughs> so Star Tropics was definitely, uh, it, was, it was pretty much my game back in those days. I, I absolutely loved it. And it's so weird that Japan never actually got it. I mean, I get why, but at the same time, it's like, that's, yeah, why not? 
And it, even the, the Nest Mini versus the Famicom Star Tropics is only on the North American one. And I'm not going to gush too much on it. I know it has a bit of a getting used to curve, if you will. But biggest thing I'm going to say is it's the real Legend of Zelda. Do you do you have anything, uh, a message for all <laughs> That's the gonna naysayers hurt a lot of people. out there? Just like me. Uh... As much as I hate this phrase, get good. Ah, it's not that I can't get good. It's that I can't jump at an angle and that bothers me. No, but this was the one I was going to get into about a sequel that does something very different. Oh, this is very true. Um, and then Because Star Tropics, you're kind of constrained to a grid to move and then you have to hit over once and then again to look that way and then start walking. It throws a lot of people off the controls are not the greatest i will fully admit that but it is just one that i hold dear to my heart and i'm glad it's on here it's an awkward uh playthrough but i mean even though it's not something that i've gotten too far in because i just haven't really gotten into the groove of it i could still say it's a quality game just uh takes takes a bit of dedication and uh if you need the code 747 ha dip it in water Next, the, this is actually something I, w- I want to touch on because they didn't actually give a way to find out on the Nest Mini on how to get that code. But the original game came with a piece of paper inside the instruction manual that you were supposed to dip in water and it reveals the secret code. So in the game, it actually tells you to dip that letter that you were given. Was so it? if you didn't have that piece of paper, you kind of have to brute force that, which is what actually my mom did. And thank God she went backwards. Was it you that told me how they handled it on, I want to say it was the Wii or the Wii U Virtual Console version of it? Yeah. So the when they released on the Virtual Console for Wii, it was actually one of the first games on there, I believe. Uh, but they gave you a little sheet that you could go into where you normally go into the instruction manual side because they actually came with those at that time. Uh you could go to the letter, read the letter, and then you use the Wiimote to dunk the letter in water, and it gives you that code. I think that's just a very charming bit of interactivity. And like, for for a game that's only in North America, and then they went to that process of getting the code across, That's that was a whole new interface they had to do for that. What's what's the name of the protagonist? Was Mike Jones? Mike Jones. With the America number one video game, yes. Yes. That's, <laughs> that is hilarious to me. That um, It is like... And your uncle is Dr. Jones, who's an archaeologist. Was there apple pie in that game? Uh, not in the first one. Oh, the second but, one, I don't know. But everything was named after Cola. So, at least yes. all the locations, which I think is very, very amusing. America is Americola. Yeah, yeah. What a strange piece of uh, NES history. It is, it's a weird one. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad for it. No, even weirder And the concept? second one doesn't get talked about enough. No, but, I mean... And that lets you diagonal movement. Well, and I think the thing with Star Tropics is most of the focus is on how, like, it was hard to get into the first one, that people are like, it's almost like the Zelda 2 syndrome, right? Yep. Although... Which is fair enough. That said, Zelda 2 was, like, the black sheep because it was so different, and I think it was just... Star Tropics itself is already its own Zelda 2, so they didn't really give the sequel a chance because of it. Yeah. It's a very weird, and it was also a very, like, it's what, the second last NES officially released? 
Yep. Yeah. Because it was Zoda's Revenge, Star Tropics 2, and then Wario's Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on to, All right, so let's let's go on. We let's got, continue. We got two left. Uh, one being the very late release, but the great release of Kirby's Adventure. Kirby's Adventure is absolutely wonderful. Not only that, absolutely beyond here. I think Kirby's Adventure is a great thing to have on here. Not only is it a solid game, but it pushes the NES to its absolute limit of what it's capable of. Yeah, and it does suffer from slowdown, but in comparison to what it's actually getting accomplished, it's worth every bit of slowdown. Well, even with the slowdown, the game itself is just still so much fun to play. It's it's still very playable with the slowdown. Yeah. Uh, not only that, I mean, that's the introduction of, like, Kirby's copy abilities. Um, it even did the thing, and, like, for being the second game in the series, let alone, like, so early in... Uh, just video gaming in general. It was one of the first ones to do the, uh, like, the fake ending. Because um, you had to 100% the game, if I'm not mistaken, or find all the secret buttons. I can't remember what exactly, but there was stuff that you could miss. Yes. And uh, So each, each world you had, like, alternate endings almost, and buttons and hidden secrets that would expand that world that you're in. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it would unlock all sorts of things. It was it was very good. It was it was spectacular. Absolutely deserves to be on here. It started the trend of having Kirby games having different games within them. I mean, yeah, they're just mini games, but I mean, back when you were a kid, how often was it there was almost a full blown game within a game? Not very often. No. Uh, and then lastly, and this one, uh, sure, put it on there just because people remember it was Pac-Man and. NES Pac-Man is probably one of the lesser ways to play Pac-Man, but sure, put him on there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mind Pac-Man, but I don't think I've ever even touched the NES version. It's not too often I go for Pac-Man. No, I mean, I do know that I played it as a kid because, you know, you play what's around you, but at the same time, like, I just feel like nowadays... There are Pac-Man is so easily accessible that if I'm going to, I'm not reaching for the NES version. Yeah, but uh, on that's that's the list, and uh, that was wow, that was a lot. <laughs> um, we want to get into the Japan side? No, okay. Oh God, no. <laughs> is there anything that you feel you would want on here? Yeah. There's a couple things. Uh, Mother One, just because I always love seeing Mother representation. And just... No, that is, is the best of them, but it's a neat nod because it was always... It was localized for the North American audience, but we just never got it because they said, nah, let's go on to the Super Nintendo. Well, and not only that, the uh, NES Mini doesn't really have anything else other than Final Fantasy when it comes to uh, RPG representation, right? So even if not Mother true. 1, just another RPG in general would be uh, probably not the worst thing in the world to add. It would have been neat if they put on Final Fantasy 3 an English version of it. Because they got that on the Japan version is Final Fantasy 3. And Final Fantasy 3 is really good too. Um... Or even maybe like one of the Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest Three, or something like that. I think I think that would be a pretty pretty solid way to um, beef it up. What about remove? 
anything. I guess we kind of just went over our thoughts on all of the things, so we don't really have to surgically extract things. They're uh, they're neat. They are very neat. I, w- I will say that. Here's something interesting. So these are all of the different uh, big developers that are highlighted on this console. So clearly you've got Nintendo, right? Of course. And then you've got Capcom, Konami, Bandai, Taito, uh, Tecmo, Squaresoft, Acclaim, and Namco, which I would say is a pretty good spread of representation. Um, Especially for that time period. Yeah. They they were the heavy hitters back then, so it makes sense to have kind of like their best games on there. Yeah, so I I think that's a pretty, uh, pretty good showing of just what the NES had to offer. Like, it's a pretty perfect time capsule of the experience itself. and uh, Absolutely. It's it's wonderful. I, I gotta say, like, as far as library games on and all that, like, I wouldn't really think of anything myself that it would need to have added because you're just getting into really obscure personal picks at this point. Like, I think this is the perfect package of covering all your bases with genres and experiences and also highlighting its strongest points, which, I mean, I guess you'd say would have been platformers, but uh, I guess if I really was thinking about adding to it, but this, I understand why, is there's no licensed game representation, right? Like the Sunsoft Batman game and stuff like that, but you could kind of accept that for not being there just due to the fact that they're licensed games. Oh, there! It's probably a nightmare to get those licenses now. Mm-hmm. Just the the amount of different parties involved. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I would say honestly, NES Mini, kind of perfect. It's it's great. It's it's it's. I love mine. I've used mine actually quite a bit. Between that and the NES Online, not that we're doing NES Online, but no, that's yeah, a, that's no, a discussion it, for an entirely different day. Oh God. But uh, what do you what so, do you think? Should we uh, should we upgrade this console here? Yes, we should add another couple bits to it and go super. So it's the Super NES. I just want to make a point because you uh, mentioned how we were adding bits. I think it's a really cute detail, as stupid as it is, that on uh, a lot of the boxes for the Super Nintendo they had sixteen dots. Yeah, it's it's like. That's, that's, you don't know unless know you you didn't? No. Yeah, the little yellow dots along the side of the uh, image is actually, to, there's 16 to represent 16 bits on the game. Huh. It's so weird. It's such a random bit of trivia, but yep, that there's that. No, that's okay. Now you're playing with superpower. This is when Nintendo was creative with every aspect of their stuff. Now they're just creative with ways to get your money for the same game. Well, they're just catching up to EA now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they're they're uh, still running on AOL. You know what, though? They, this, this, should be, um, this should be a little bit easier to get through. We've got only 20 games this time. Yes. Now, I say it might be easier to get through, but I also But there's feel some like bangers on here. We, we got a lot of games that we might have a lot to say about. Um, yep. All right. I, I took the NES. You've got a list, right? Yep. All right, you can you can do the in uh, alphabetical order. Oh dear! <laughs> Actually, for some wacky reason, I think mine's in alphabetical order as well. Nope, nope. Take the wheel. Nope. All right. So first game we got is Contra Three: The Alien Wars. 
So, which again, going back to my whole Contra spiel from before, I don't know Contra too well, but I want to. Yeah, I think when it comes to Contra, you could pretty much uh, sum up my thoughts with what I was saying with about Super C is. Uh, I guess it'd be a little bit different with Super Contra because I'm more familiar with the Super Nintendo as a whole than I am the NES. It was just the console that I personally love more, but just dabbled in its library more. I have more experience with it, right? More nostalgia in general. Um, Yep. But I would say the Contra on Super Nintendo is not something I've had much interest due to that kind of apprehension I've had with the Contra franchise if I booted it up again today, I might feel how I was feeling with Super C, but for the time being, it's not an immediate pick. But, I mean, I'm not going to say it shouldn't be here. It's a good, uh, solid Konami shooter run-and-gun type game, and, uh, yeah, it's earned its place. It's kind of legendary, so... Yeah, now, was there more than one Contra game on the Super Nintendo? Hmm... I... Don't... Yes. I don't recall. Yeah, because okay. this is Contra the Alien Wars, right? Um, yes. Yeah, and then there was also... Oh, this is where this franchise gets so confusing, because I was going to say Super Contra, but that might also be Super C. I don't know, to be honest. I feel like there was two on Super Nintendo and one on Sega, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, I'm assuming that this is probably going to be the more popular one, which is why they got it on here. Yeah. So, but uh, I I don't have too much to say about Contra. Yet, I it's coming. Die a lot. Uh, all right. What's uh, what's after that? So next we got Donkey Kong Country, I... which we we talked on a little bit with the with the ending spoilers there, the fake ending. Yeah, but it it's a masterpiece for its time. Like the whole three D graphics and or that's how they got the sprites was from three D models. And just everything about it. it was a technical marvel. It was it was wonderful, and it really threw Donkey Kong into his own platforming genre. Well, and I think Donkey Kong uh, Country is another one of those games where uh, if you didn't have it, you knew someone who did, or at least one of the three. Like it's kind of a household name of your typical Super Nintendo library. It's very much a uh, good co-op romp. Um, yep. And it's got some pretty legendary music, legendary uh, platforming. And though it's not really my particular favorite, I will say that I played so much of the first one when I was a kid. So uh, Oh, so much. Yeah, I would say Donkey Kong Country more than earns its place here is just a staple of the it's, Super it's, Nintendo library. It's one of the gold medals on this list. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So next up is one of my personal favorites, uh, Earthbound. Um, so I do have a a point to make when it comes to Earthbound being here. Not even Earthbound itself, but, uh, I think it also belongs here if for one reason only, it is the ludicrous price tag that a copy of Earthbound goes for. Yes, and just having an actual way of playing it. Now, thankfully it finally came to the Nintendo Switch Online, for those who haven't, but just, this is kind of the first release since its original release, right? In, um, in North America. Outside of its virtual console release on the 3DS, I don't know if it ever came to the Wii or the Wii U, but... Um, I the, don't remember. The SNES Mini would be its the only, like, physical way to own a copy of Earthbound without shelling out the, oh, 
several hundred dollars for just a cartridge. Um, yeah, 600, and, 700 Canadian at the moment. Yeah, and even though we mentioned at the uh, start of this whole episode here that uh, these aren't exactly the easiest thing to come across for cheap, it's still cheaper to buy one of these mini consoles than uh, Earthbound itself. So you can still get that nice feeling of those delightful depressed Super Nintendo buttons and Earthbound for a much, much more affordable price. And it comes with 19 other games. Yep. So, Which are all pretty pretty great. You can't really go wrong. I mean, for me personally, Earthbound, not one of my favorite. I've tried I've tried so many times. I might try again, you never know. But that doesn't mean I'm about to say it doesn't it hasn't earned its place here. Yeah, and especially over in North America, it's it's just one of those that I, I feel came out at a, at the wrong time. It's cause it's because it has more of a following now than it had back in the day. Oh, very much so. I mean, I guess you could say that for most of these games, but point stands. Uh, next one is F-Zero. And it is... I'm, I'm not a huge F-Zero fan, personally. Uh, I've probably only played it twice. Not for very long. I'm much more of a Super Mario Kart. But, I, uh, yeah. I think F-Zero I, um, is very impressive for when it came out. Uh, it was yes. probably... One of the first games, at least to my knowledge, for the... Because uh, it's a launch year game. I don't think it's in the launch window, but, like, it came out the year that the SNES came out, which is still early enough in my mind. And it was a wonderful showcase for the whole Mode 7 thing they were working with. Yeah, which was a huge thing for the Super Nintendo, right? We got Mode 7. Well, and to put yourself into the past as well, to think going from a NES to a Super Nintendo, and F-Zero is one of the first games you get, that game is so fast. It really is. It's how quick it was able to draw things is really impressive and really showcases that, like you said, Mode 7 situation. Now... It, it did wonders on that hardware. As for a game to go back to today... I, you know, I'm not going to say, like, it's the pinnacle of Super Nintendo racing experience, but it's very one-of-a-kind because of it's so fast, and there's almost a bit of strategy with how you race in it, because it's solely about how it would be how I would compare... Um, it's like comparing a modern Mario Kart game to something like Forza, or a more simulation-based kind of racing game, where... It's not about getting to first. It's about learning how to operate the vehicle. Become the captain. Yeah, as where, like, something like Mario Kart, until you've gotten into the higher circuits, it's really just, like, you could just bash your way up until you get to first, right? As where yeah. F-Zero, you could hit the wall a couple times, you're going to die. Yeah, no, that's that's true. So, I think it belongs here, even though it's not yeah. something I'm immediately jumping to play. Even though Nintendo has forgotten about it. Oh, so hard. I feel for the F-Zero fans. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Uh, what's, so, oh, next up I on the list. I know what I got now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. 100%. So this is going to be five. <laughs> Needs to be here. <laughs> Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III as we know it in North America. It messes with my head because I know it as six, I met it as three, and in this package it is both. Yeah. It's so weird, but God does it ever <laughs> deserve to be here. It is one of the few Final Fantasy games. Um, that's coming out wrong. 
Don't get mad at me, Final Fantasy fans. It is one of the best. In my mind, it is. Okay, I would say it's the best, but it's just my favorite. So, you know, I can say how mechanically... Whatever. Final Fantasy VI is incredible, and I love it, if only just for the godly music in it. My goodness. Music is great. But I've already... And we've... We, we've kind of dabbled into Final Fantasy 3 slash 6 uh, on the first episode when we were talking about turn-based mechanics. Yep, yep. It's, uh, it's a so, great game with a lot of uh, flexibility in its gameplay. And, I mean, I have replayed it oh, somewhere in the vein of five to ten times, which for an RPG, that's a good amount of replays in my mind. And you got the P- Pixel Remaster, right, on Pixel. Steam? Yeah. I've, uh, so... Yeah. I mean, I played it originally uh, for the Super Nintendo, and then I also got it for Game Boy Advance when that came out and played the additional content that they added into it, and then they released it for the Pixel Remaster, and I have tried it in almost every iteration available that doesn't consider itself PC or... Well, no, because that would be... I I have not played the horrible mobile ports. Um, Yeah. But yeah, six is great, and I would say as far as like Square's upfront offerings, if it weren't for something else that I will discuss when we're done with this list of games, I would say it's probably one of the best representations of a SquareSoft work on the console. Ah, uh, that's fair. It's putting one of their best foots forward. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's ma- next my thoughts up, on that. Next up is one of my favorites, and it's Kirby Superstar. That's not Star Tropics 2 somehow on Super Nintendo. No. No. Um, no, it, it died with the NES. Kirby needed its representation here, and uh, I mean, it's eight more games. I have played the living shit out of Kirby Superstar so many times, to the point where my battery was even dead, and I didn't care. I just kept restarting it and playing it. I played this game forward to backwards, backwards to forwards, it's just upside down. I, uh, it is great. I also sunk a great amount of time because I've always been a big fan of the Kirby franchise, basically being the first game, being what got me into gaming. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd say it did a really good job of expanding on like the copyability formulas. And even though the whole multiple games in a game thing is a bit of a gimmick, something about the micro form of these games is really satisfying to beat one and move on to the next one. Like how you beat... Um, what is it called? Spring Breeze, and then you move on to Meta Nightwear. And like, I don't know, the progression feels really good, though. Yeah, and then as you complete more games, you get new games pop up, like the the Meta Knight uh, campaign. And I think you unlock another mini game. Which there's a few. The Duel, the... Uh, Megaton Smash. Punch. Oh, I spent Megaton Punch. so much time playing Megaton Punch against computers. Oh, God. It's so good. I played it against friends. It was great. Oh, I see. I didn't have and none we, of those. We, we could go another 20 minutes gushing about Kirby Superstar. Oh, this is so true. So let's uh, spend some of that time with Kirby's Dream Course. So. Which I never played till I, I got my SNES Classic, actually. This is actually probably one of the most out of left field things on this mini console. And I am so here for it. Um, it is. One of the coolest concepts, just Kirby Mini Golf, but it's not really Mini Golf. Uh, it's probably also the hardest Kirby game in existence. Yeah, Kirby games aren't too hard. Uh, well, Avalanche, uh, Adventure is. Avalanche, where did I get that? 
Uh, Kirby's Adventure on the NES is actually fairly difficult, and then they just kind of made them easy. But this game is just downright punishing. Uh, this is true. But it has some of the most fun multiplayer I've ever done on the Super Nintendo. See, I don't have that much experience, and maybe we're going to have to do some online play of that. Oh, I am definitely down with that, because, yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, so it's obviously like golf, right? You're trying to see who can get the, uh, I don't know if it's so much about lowest score as it is more so just getting to the hole first, because it's more of a mini-putt thing, but um, yep. it kind of gets a little bit of animosity in it where you could actually just knock your opponent way off the map. <laughs> uh, yeah, incredible game. So Kirby's Dream Course, though a very out of left field uh, pick on this console, it's a very welcome one. I I need to spend some more time with it, but uh, from what I have played, it I quite like it. So next up is a very popular one, and it's a continuation. We've named the first two already: The Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. I kind of thought this was what was coming up, and uh, this is uh, very much a "what more can I say" sort of scenario. It's very much now this is a game that i wouldn't say everyone had but it's a game that i feel that everyone at least interested in like the super nintendo library does deserve to check out um it's yeah, just a very well-rounded is. experience altogether and you can make the arguments that yes it's a little bit more linear but whatever it is still aged wonderfully it still feels great to play sounds great it does so much right it really does. It is my favorite Zelda game. Sahasrala. Yeah, just give me my boots. Ah, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, there's. So yeah, not we we could gush about this one, but it's it's good. Yep. Yep. Uh, so next up is Mega Man X. <laughs> yes, yes, and more. Yes, this has to be one of the best feeling games on this whole console and no i'm not speaking through childhood bias because childhood bias has a lot more to say i <laughs> oh i cannot yes i'm happy it's on here and i will fully admit when i was a dumb little kid i just thought that was the 10th one i thought it was roman numerals see i don't maybe it was because i just latched onto the mega man franchise so immediately but i did know that X and uh, original were two very different things. I mean, I'm just now gonna... this. This was the first introduction to Mega Man for me. This would have been my first proper introduction to Mega Man as well, actually. Okay, that's yeah. my excuse out the window. Yeah, um, but at the same time, I pretty much as soon as I knew what Mega Man was, it was every time we went to the rental store, it was like, gotta see if there's a Mega Man game. So I was able to, like, see the Mega Man X games and Mega Man 7, like, side by side, and actually see, like, these are two very different-looking characters. I just went all into this franchise. But uh, I'll just... I'll save my thoughts on Mega Man for probably several episodes in the future. Yeah, you're just gonna be dropping little tidbits about it but, here uh, and there i'm sure but in summary for like it being here as the package yes please it is just such a quintessential snes game for the entire experience yes it is one that i uh i certainly associate with the super nintendo and it's from my experience one of the easiest x Mega Man x games it's it's i would say pretty beginner friendly and the challenge ramps up at a pretty pretty good pace and uh I want to say after Mega Man X, we're getting into some of the more household names. 
Uh, soon. Next up is Secret of Mana. That's not a household name at all. No. But, um... <laughs> but it is very praised for his artwork, uh, for its graphics, and a lot of people hold it pretty high. So I understand why it's on this list. This is another one. I wouldn't say it's as weird as Kirby's Dream Course, but it is definitely a pretty interesting pick. Um... Because Secret of Mana is kind of one of those games where, like, if you're looking at your standard, like, best 25 games of all time, it's not always there or it's really high up. It's never in the middle. No. And uh, I think... In in some senses, I I can see why it's here, though. Well, for a co-op experience, let alone just a artistic medium, like, Secret of Mana is one of those things where, uh, obviously, barring its sequel that we never got... Uh, a very one-of-a-kind experience, right? Because it's the closest thing that you're going to get to Zelda in a co-op format. Yep. Um, not only that, it yeah, it is just a wonderful game. Not particularly one of my favorite. Like, I've still, many times as I've tried, never gotten to the end. I do intend to one day, but uh, it, still, it still deserves to be here, especially as one of the more oddity picks. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of fan service. To anyone who knows Square's library, I think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what, what do we got after that? Um, so next up, we've got two, and that is Star Fox and Star Fox 2. So Star Fox 2 is such an anomaly on this console, not only just because it's the only, uh, or the first, I should say, official release, because if I'm not mistaken, it's now available on the SNES Online service, but it's kind of hilarious so, yeah. that, like, this was almost what was pitched as a selling point, as if it wasn't going to sell already. Yeah, and being previously unreleased, and there were people wanting Star Fox 2, because Star Fox did pretty good for back in the day. Now, have you played Star Fox 2? Briefly, like half an hour. Okay, see, I when I got my SNES Mini, I just dove headfirst into it and uh, got all the way to the end, and it's pretty good would i say it's better than the original star fox maybe if it was a little bit more polished i would say yes and you had to unlock it on the console right like there was something that you had to do before it would show up in your list i think you have to get like so many levels into star fox you don't actually have to beat it but you have to at least put a bit of time into it so that is kind of neat yeah. but Sadly, like, we live in this age where obviously, like, that's not going to be a big surprise, but also, I guess at the same time, if it tells you Star Fox 2 is included, it's not a huge surprise. It is to people who don't read the box like me. This is fair. But uh, it was actually <laughs> surprising that, yeah, they, they kind of made you work for it. The original Star Fox, though it is a game that, uh, I don't know if I'd say it's aged like milk, but some kind of weird cheese. Yeah, it's it's aged like it shows Bad. it. It shows it. That's <laughs> it for shows sure. It. Um, like that. That frame rate chugs, but um, there is still fun to be had with it. I mean, if you sit down with it for a good five ten minutes, you're gonna adjust to that choppy frame rate. And even outside of that, it just belongs there. Be it's a polygonal showcase on the Super Nintendo. That is mind blowing. Yeah, like this is 3d graphics before 3d graphics the super fx chip and all of its very slow loud hot glory <laughs> but uh so, yeah just as a legacy mo- title moving I think on it belongs yeah but no uh, it it needs to star fox was tro- uh, popular back in the day clearly 
And uh, yeah, no, it's it should be on here. I'm glad it's on here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'll, a guess I'll still what's in. next. Actually, no. What's after what's next is one of the greatest games of all time. Because if I'm not mistaken, what's next is Super Mario Kart. No. 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 no I'm, I'm mixing up my alphabet. So ne- next one is Street Fighter Two Turbo. That's not how you spell Mario Kart. Um, <laughs> not at all. You know what? I, I think it belongs here. I think Street Fighter 2 kind of like, there's so many versions, and allegedly Turbo's the best one. I know I played a lot of World Warrior, which is like just the original release, but... I got I got no comment. I know Street Fighter 2 is popular. I know that there's like 700 different copies, but uh, yeah, I, I Street Fighter 2, anything, I think deserves to be on this list i think it belongs here solely for the fact that it wasn't really until the super nintendo and uh this generation of gaming that outside of arcades there was really no fighting games in the home sense right no anything that there was would have been rough um and i'm trying to think like fighting games on the nes and the only thing that comes to mind would have actually been after Street fighter 2 which is the um NES version of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighter, which, I mm. mean, it's just when all you've got to work with is a D-pad and two face buttons, it's kind of hard to make a fighting game as functional as it could be, so... but uh, Yeah, you need those more controls. As where Street Fighter 2, I mean, even to this day, there are competitive tournament scenes and whatnot, so whether it's a product of its time or a product of now yeah street fighter belongs there just as a representation of the fighting game genre in my mind yes but uh no i i can back that up 100 percent. but that, that that's my thoughts on that uh otherwise uh, uh, uh fighting games they're fun but they're not yep. a dire need in my mind they're not my cup of tea but i'm glad that there's representation on here it's a good co-op time but i'm not about to sit down and master it so next on the list is super castlevania 4 i mean if you look it's castlevania yeah if you're looking at the nest library it'd be almost weird to not see this here right yeah it is i know a lot more people that like super castlevania 4 than castlevania 1 it's a very different feeling game right you can uh and it, it, it goes to retell that first story with simon belmont Oh, how did we not include this in our remakes discussion? I don't know. Weird. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Super Castlevania Fever just belongs here, just as a solid game, but also, again, bringing back that Konami frontrunner, right? Yes. So, yeah. I mean, the first one had Castlevania. Might as well get another Castlevania on the 16 version. Exactly. Uh, next up is Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which is, like the original, terrified of. This is, yeah, I pretty much make the same case that I would for uh, yep. Ghouls and Ghosts on the um, NES. But this is just a much more approachable game. Doesn't yeah, mean it's, it's any easier. God, no. But um, <laughs> it's, there's a lot about, something about Ghouls and Ghosts, even though it's not like the most easy playthrough, it feels such like a proper Super Nintendo, like, I'm nostalgic for it without, well, not having any nostalgia for it, which is weird, but I'm sure makes sense to people. Like, just the, No, I, I get where you're coming from. The tone of its sound effects and its music and how it feels, like, it feels like something that belongs there. That, uh, that theme, whenever starting, is still in my head. 
and I haven't played it for ages. It's just one of those things that kind of stick with you. Fun fact, that theme is also in Mega Man 7. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got, uh... Which was on the Super Nintendo, just not on the Mini. No, not on the Mini, which is a shame, because that's a very expensive game now, but, uh... As they get. There are ways to play it, so it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, so. so next on the list is the one that uh, you actually mentioned already, uh, Super Mario Kart. It belongs here, even though it's not that great anymore. <laughs> it It's aged a little rough, but no, I'm I'm super satisfied to actually see it here. I still have fun with a buddy if I boot it up. Yep. And uh, it takes a bit of getting used to, especially the whole, like, jump drifting and whatnot. But it is still a good time, even though the computer AI cheats. It's uh, it's important to know, like, looking at the, the time that it came out, it's essentially replicating 3D while being 2D. Well, you and gotta they, think... they did wonders with it. It was, it was a bit of a technical marvel, like F-Zero. Not only that, kind of going back to racing games of that era, if you look at something like, let's say, I don't know, Top Gear or, um, you know, just your more arcade-style racing games where you didn't actually feel like you were racing on a track, it was just a road, right? And you might kind of go a little bit left, a little bit right, but you don't actually kind of have that sense of where you are on the track. Yep. So it's it's a very different beast, but I mean, it literally started the entire genre, which is the kart racer. So, and Mario. So it, it belongs here. Yeah, and it was kind of their first experimentation with a bunch of different Mario characters, right? Like, we, we always had Mario and Donkey Kong, technically. And uh, th- this is really the first time that they all kind of got together for a game. It's, it's, the, it's the first Mario Party ever. Yes. And, uh, the only minigame is Kurtz and Battling. So, I don't even, you don't even need to say because I already know what's coming up. Uh, this game just kind of has to be included on the pro- uh, the product as a whole. If this game wasn't included, I would have been very upset. How do you not but, put uh, Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo Mini? That is not what I thought you were going to say. That's not the next game? No. Is it? Oh. Super Mario RPG. Oh, my comment still stands. I am really glad it's here. It is a, nowhere else. It is a surprising pick just because of the whole complicated matter of uh, it being a Squaresoft and a Nintendo game, right? Yeah, this is when their partnership was strong. They were very until strong it wasn't back in the day. But uh, this is a game that not enough people, and it is a very widely beloved game. But it's a game that could still get into the hands of more people. And it has, I mean, yeah, going back to our discussion on turn-based RPGs, it's actually aged better than a lot just because of the more engaging mechanics and yet not over-cumbersome and convoluted manner of it, right? It's a pretty easy-to-get-into game without feeling so simple that it's like Mystic Quest. It, It feels like a proper Mario game if it were turned into an RPG. Yeah, it definitely didn't feel like a proper Mario game. That's why I couldn't understand it as a kid. But nowadays, oh, I'm so happy to see it. Yeah. And it's it's not even available on the Super Nintendo Online, I don't think. Is it not? No. Oh, I might have to check on that later. That's very unfortunate if that's the case. Someone let me know if I'm wrong, but I don't think it is. Interesting. Now is it time for the thing I keep talking about? Yes. Okay, yeah. that. This is... Well, I mean, it was bundled with the consoles, so to not be bundled with the mini console would just be a crime against nature. 
the return of the Super Mario World uh, or series brought into the new age of technology. Yeah, it it's very beloved by all. I, and it's usually this put up against number three. They t- seem to battle it out for best Mario game. This this will get my vote any day. I mean, the introduction of Yoshi, the powers are so much fun. Getting around the map is so very interesting. You can do it as fast or as slow as you want. And it's such a, This game just has so much to offer, and it never feels bad to play. No, it is it is just fun. It is fun platforming. I just have one closing statement on this until we talk about it again in the future. Okay. Tubular. Yeah. Oh dear. You you just made people cringe. Yep. And anyone who knows is gonna cringe. Oh, you know. So next on the list is another one I'm really glad is on here, and I think this was actually my first experience with it, admittedly. But uh Super Metroid. I I adore this game. I I will fully admit that the controls feel a little wonky now, but they're easy enough to get used to, unless you're wall jumping. It's some, the wall jumping still kind of hurts my hands when I'm trying to execute it. Yeah. But uh it is just and I gave it my first proper go only recently and it really stuck with me. I think it is just a masterclass in design. The world itself feels really good to explore, and it's, you know, creepy, but in a very adventurous kind of way. Like, it pushes you forward with your curiosity and whatnot. It's not so difficult that it's off-putting, but it's not a simple game by any means. I mean, some things will really mess you up in it. Oh, yeah, if, if you aren't expecting it, Ridley will mess you right up. He's a good fight. I, I, I like fighting Ridley, and uh, not to mention one of just... The most epic finales on the Super Nintendo. And the the exploration was a lot of fun, too. And that's that's kind of what I like these games for. The only but, uh, low point yeah. is Meridia. Yeah, that's the water area, correct? Yep, but I mean, yeah. you, you, if you don't have your lows, how can you appreciate such highs? Yep, So I, everywhere needs a bit of a pace breaker. I think most games do that as well. So easily belongs here. Very much a uh, necessary part of the library. And if they didn't put it on here, I'd be doing what the title of this game is. And that's Super Punch-Out. You're going to punch out the plastic box? Yes, if it wasn't on there. That that sounds like a very bad way to use $200. I was was more thinking the, the people who chose that decision. That's fair. That's very fair. But yeah, Super Punch-Out, very similar to the first. Uh, you get like a 3D mesh inside kind of view of your character. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's yeah, like Punch-Out for the NES. It's it's good time. I want to put more time into it and actually learn how to do the fights properly. I think Punch-Out's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's an interesting kind of puzzle game. It's less of a uh, boxing game. But um, I've probably played Super Punch-Out more than the original Punch-Out. I don't know. It just kind of feels a little bit better. Never beaten it, though. doesn't mean I'm good at it, but one day, maybe I will. I'll keep trying. It's it's it, Between these two, I tend to go back to them just when I have a little bit of time. Just to check it out. Like, it, it's... I want to play it, but I just keep checking it out, and I just got to sit down and play it. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? So, we got, we got the final title. Oh... Wait. And this is hmm. Yoshi. Okay, is there one I'm missing? No, I was just trying to see if I could guess it, but you already started what it is. 
Oh yeah. Uh, Yoshi's Island. Touch fuzzy. Or Super get Mario dizzy. World Two. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um. So I'm very mixed on this game, and I think it really just becomes like you know how annoying the baby is, but like. I genuinely remember when I was a kid, I would get so much more excited about this game than any other Mario game, and I don't know why. Probably just because I'm in the same I'm in the same boat. Like I personally, I much prefer Yoshi's Island versus Super Mario World, which is probably very critical of me to say. But I just like it better. The baby is annoying. The baby is annoying, but it, there's the whole like the egg throwing mechanics and the stomps and the exploration. Like it is a solid game. It looks so good. And it's a lot more difficult than Super Mario World. It does have a good amount of challenge. And yeah. and I like a bit of more difficulty in my platformers. Oh, the boss fights are just solid. So, bit of a spoiler for the end. The final Bowser fight at the end was freaking awesome. The music was just very fast, very frantic. Metal. And then you have Bowser, a giant Bowser, walking toward you. And you trying to shoot, almost like... A third person over the shoulder kind of thing. It was weird, and it was completely different than anything else you had done. But I mean, God, was it epic! Oh, it looked so good, and just the music caught fire, and ah. Oh. So, baby sounds aside, this game is fantastic. Yeah. And difficult, and has some epic fights in it. So I mean, all around, I would say a pretty incredible uh, selection of library, but. Not going to lie, I do have a, a little bit of a criticism towards it. Yep. And, um, well, first of all, they could have thrown in a couple more games. They could have brought it to from 20 to 25 or something. I would have appreciated at least 25, but, um, as They far, had the space on them. As far as, like, the actual package that you get... I'd like to think that it did a really good job of showcasing the uh, Super Nintendo's two strongest genres, which would have been platformers and RPGs. They probably have the strongest representation on this console. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and it's 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 a fantastic, really re- well-rounded uh, library. But you know what's really weird? And it is very strange that I'm making this complaint. The only sports game on the Super Nintendo Mini is Kirby's Dream Course. I'm okay with this. Because the the Super Famicom version, the Super Famicom Mini, got Super Soccer. Oh. Oh, I don't like that. No. So, we could have given up Kirby's Dream Course for Super Soccer? No. No, I'll, I'll keep my Kirby. What about for Mega Man Soccer? <laughs> I don't know because I haven't tried it and it scares me. How is this going to stop Dr. Wily? <laughs> He's uh, the goalie. And I mean, like, you know, outside of that, um, it's a weird complaint. And I know it's not really what they were going for. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more obscurity in the library that they offered, right? Because, yeah, though we can say that most, if not all, of these games are staples, that's kind of... Almost a little bit boring. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to think back now. Was there any of these games that we said we don't understand why it's there? Like the NES we did. There's a few titles that were questionable. 
I don't see a whole lot of questionable stuff on here. The Super Nintendo definitely feels like a lot more of a refined collection, yes. It is. They took the NES and did better. In all aspects. In every single aspect. I think really my only other complaint, and this does kind of come down to the fact that, you know, they only did have uh, 20 slots available. But um, so as for like the developers that we have on board, you've got uh, Nintendo, Konami, Rare, Squaresoft, and Capcom, which is a little bit slimmer of a list than on the NES. And of the games that are there, like Nintendo dominates what's available on this NES Mini. So, which I kind of get because they probably cheaped out a bit, but at the same time, all these games are pretty, pretty good. That's just it. Like, it, there is no argument to be made that like the games that they put on there aren't legendary. But I also know that the Super Nintendo, like when I think of the console itself, it is very much my jumping point for a lot. Like, we don't have anything from like Enix or uh, even your no. smaller ones, like your Acclaims or. You know, as much as we all like to meme on them, LJN, like... I'm okay with the LJN. Because chances are it's going to be licensed. What about Super Black Bass? No. <laughs> I no. just want a fish. I think that's actually one of the few games I own, like, as an actual cartridge. That's weird. It is so weird. I don't know how to play it. So... I do have a question for you, but before that, I'm going to get into the Super Famicom, because they got some interesting stuff. So, they didn't get Kirby's Dream Course. Okay. But they they did get Fire Emblem, Mystery of the Emblem. Hmm. I mean, we never got that to begin with. No, so it's more understandable why we didn't get it. Um, Uh, Another game that they didn't get, which was Earthbound, or Mother One as it would be over there. Well, that's actually what I was going to say. If we were swapping out, um, like, if we were keeping it to 20 and saying, like, if we were to see, like, if we were to swap out what it would be, if we were to get Fire Emblem, I feel like they would have to cut something like either Earthbound or Super Mario RPG because RPGs are the more dominant force. Yep, and I would much rather Earthbound or... Mario RPG. Well, that's just it. Even if they did go through the effort to translate it, which would be really cool, um, it would make the mini console feel a little bit too RPG heavy, right? Yep. So, yeah, I think think we got the better selection. um, Well, they also got The Legend of the Mystical Ninja. Hmm. That's yeah. kind of cool, actually. Co- I've yep. I've not beaten it, but I've made my way through most of it. But I did it single player. And I've, under the impression that is, though a good game on its own, a game that really shines when you play co-op. Because it's like a weird hybrid of beat-em-up, side-scrolling platformer, and an adventure game not unlike Legend of Zelda. Huh. It is a That actually makes me beast. want to play it a bit more, and it's it's one I've wanted to play, so... It's a good time. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to. So, yeah, that's that would be one that if we did have room for a couple more additions, I would definitely put it on there. And, yep. I mean, to round out the wish list, just because it's funny, I think it's just real shame that it didn't have Chrono Trigger. <laughs> no, no, it did not have Chrono Trigger, which is unfortunate. It's hard, though, because, like, it would be... For 
for my mind, it would be like a toss up between that or Final Fantasy VI, right? As like the crown jewel RPG that Square Enix or Square Soft at the time, it would be between yeah. the two. So I'm not at all disappointed what we got in exchange. That's fair. Yeah. I would much rather Chrono Trigger, but Final Fantasy VI is damn good. It's it's so a very I, I can't much be upset like, at it. Exactly. Like you could say one or the other, but they're both as long as one of them's there, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um So I guess onto a final question is what is a game that you feel you would want on there? Hmm. Now is there a particular criteria? Like, no. are we going, like, do I want it there because I feel like it would fit? Or do I want it there just because I like it? You got one for both? Okay. So, something that I feel, like, kind of encapsulates the library or just has that proper SNES feel. And um, just because I don't think there's actually... Just going to double check on my list, but I don't think there's a single one of the genre on there. And uh, it's very much a, when I think of the Super Nintendo, I think of, um, yeah, there really isn't one. Uh, Final Fight, or Final Fight 2, at least for my personal preference, because I think beat-em-ups were a staple of the Super Nintendo era. You've got a lot of stuff like uh, like the Spider-Man games and stuff like that. Like, it was a very popular genre in the early 90s, right? Yep. So for that aspect, I would say that. Now, for my own personal choice, just for hilarious obscurity, just because it's so weird, Zero the Kamikaze Squirrel. <laughs> it's That is not what I was expecting. Oh, no one would be expecting that squirrel. But, um, yeah, let's put not Arrow the Acrobat, but the spinoff to Arrow the Acrobat on it. The Kamikaze Squirrel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those would be my picks for uh, Appeal to the Masses and Appeal to Myself. I thought for sure that you were going to pick the uh, sequel to Secret of Mana. You'd think, wouldn't you? I would. Yeah. Um, but how about yourself? As for myself, um, one that kind of fits on there? Mm, I'm not too sure. Like, these these are a lot of the games that I go straight for when I think of the Super Nintendo. If there is one, I would want to say Donkey Kong Country 2. That's fair. I mean, it is the better of the trilogy, at least in the sense of just being a more expanded upon adventure and all that, right? It's it's it seems to be the fan favorite. Yeah. Then, uh, I mean, 3's good, too. I, I'd probably go 2, 3, 1 in my rankings, to be honest. Yeah, they're all about the same in my mind, but that's because I've just kind of... I'm, I'm very mild on the franchise as of late. Yeah, that's fair. But, uh, all right, then what would be your weird personal uh, choice just for you? My weird personal choice just for me is probably the Fireman. I think that's like, what it was called. God. Like where you put out it, fires? It, it, yeah, it was never released over here. Oh, is that the PAL exclusive? Yeah. That's so weird. That's more weird than my pick. So I have played it a little bit, and I really liked what I played, and I think it would be great. I think there was co-op in it. Again, I haven't played it too much. But what I have played, I just I really enjoyed. It's 
It's simple, but yet relaxing, yet engaging. Okay, that just makes me think of one more thing that this console should have just as a co-op experience, and this is a European exclusive on that exact note. Just because it would be funny, and I know, even if it wasn't on the Super Nintendo, I know that you have spent many, many days of your life playing this with friends or by yourself. Worms. Yep. That would be hilarious. Worms would have been a great pick, too. I think so, but... Uh, God. I have to say... Was it Worms World Party? World? Uh, on the Nintendo? Or Super Nintendo? Yeah. I think it's yeah. just called Worms. Oh, the original. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one that where you only okay. get, like, bazooka, shotgun, I think Uzi, and grenades. And maybe airstrike. But it's very basic. Yeah, that was on there, wasn't it? Yep. Yep, but it was a PAL exclusive. Yeah, which is too bad. Yeah. We, we, we yeah, weren't ready remember... for uh, Worm Warfare. No, no, just not ready. That's only for uh, European. But, uh, what, uh, what do you think? I, I have to say, we've got quite a ramble, and we haven't even managed to get to the other, uh, other consoles here. No, so I think uh, we should probably split this in two, part, uh, two parts. Oh my goodness, At our least. first sequel endeavor. Yeah, this is this is weird. We went on probably because we rambled a little too much, but uh, per se, I'm okay with that. It's it just feels right. To be fair, we were getting into some very nostalgic territory. As I feel like when we tackled the other ones, we won't have as much attachment, and we will probably be a lot more critical. I'm sorry, people who love these things. I I could see us doing a bit of both. Yeah. I think a lot of it was just the decisions, but we'll do that on the next episode. And, uh, yeah. Are you have any closing comments? I got a few things I want to spleel. Sahasrala. Oh, it's such a good game. So, I guess that's it. Uh, guys, if whatever podcasting service you're using right now, uh, feel free to leave us a review. Don't know what they do, but I know we're supposed to be asking for them. And, uh, we, we want to see some feedback from you guys. And you can leave us a drop on Twitter as well, at OptionalBossPC. And also follow us on Instagram, and sometimes we might figure out how to use it. <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's it for aside me. Aside from that, yeah, drop us a line on Twitter or uh, Instagram and leave us a review, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Take care.